Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a special Sunday night edition of Lone Star News. We are coming to you live over at the foxhole.app, pill.net, and also Twitch. And tonight we're actually um, broadcasting live on ScrewTube. Interesting enough, we're uh, doing it live over there. Should be a fun and exciting time. We'll see how that goes, see how long it lasts. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, I'm sure it'll be fine, um, considering that, um, well, we're just doing Texas news and current events tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to be getting into any conspiracy theories of that sort. You know, that's usually about where they like to pin certain programs down. But either way, we're happy to be live and in person uh, doing a makeup day today, actually, as far as Lone Star News goes, since we weren't able to get one in yesterday. Uh, yesterday, we had um, the Trump rally as well as the uh, Mr. C in the Dark show. So we got both of those off without a hitch. That was absolutely fun and dandy. Uh, had, had something. What is that noise? Oh, my apologies. Uh, had a, I was like, what is that? We had some, uh, I had some things going on here around the old homestead early on in the day. So, uh, thought I'd come in and do a makeup show for tonight just so we can get some Texas news on the books. Cause there is definitely some stuff to consider. Um, I think, uh, will be fun getting into, what are we going to get in tonight? Um, well, I think the primary thing for tonight, uh, one that I've been wanting to do, um, was to actually, uh, sorry, looking at my, uh, looking at my monitor screen was to actually, uh, talk a little bit about the secretaries of state here in the state of Texas. Now, the reason why that comes to mind is because of a lot of the, uh, election fraud that we've been seeing around the country. Um, and that's, that's, uh, to include also, of course, the, uh, top five most contested states in uh, the 2020 election, presidential election. So if you're a, a Texas viewer out there or you're brand new to the show, you're probably wondering, well, like, how does this have anything to do with the state of Texas when we're talking about, of course, the 2020 presidential election? After all, uh, Texas viewers out there might, you know, remember, recall, understand Dread? I don't know. I don't know what side of the line some of the viewers out there will stand on, particularly since we are also broadcasting on YouTube tonight, um, is, uh, well, Texas won the presidential election, right? I mean, um, for Trump. So why would uh, we then start to consider the 2020 elections um, and, uh, you know, conferring that along with the secretaries of state for the state of Texas? Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury and the audience. Uh, that is quite frankly, because to be quite frank, the um, tech, the uh, Secretary of State in, um, in most, if not all regards, um, and I'm not 100% sure where the varying differences are for commonwealths, like Pennsylvania, Virginia, I think they're a commonwealth, aren't they? And uh, Kentucky. Um, rules are, rules are always just a little different, of course, per state and that's, uh, the state's rights. But when it comes to the secretary of state in almost just about all cases, they will be the top election official in their state. And so, uh, we see here with that in mind, um, uh, Texas has had quite an interesting, uh, 
bout of recent history in regards to secretaries of state. Now, kind of what I found through just a, a perusal of the previous four secretaries of state, whom have all ser served under Governor Abbott since he's been uh, the governor of Texas, um, they all seem to have a lifespan of about a year and a half to two, two and a half years. And according to the uh, first Secretary of State that we will uh, take a brief look at tonight, uh, he had stated that about two years was the lifespan of the Secretary of State in the state of Texas. Um, now, uh, I find that to be pretty interesting only because if uh, Secretary of State is not uh, does not full their, uh, fulfill their full term, well, then at that point, uh, Governor Abbott will then um, appoint not, not an elected Secretary of State. It will be an appointed Secretary of State from the governor's office. And uh, they will then uh, complete the duties uh, for the remainder of the term. So uh, with that in mind, he is now going to be going on to his fifth Secretary of State as uh, the most current uh, appointed Secretary of State. Her name was uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Ruggiero Hughes, uh, Argentinian native, uh, is resigning. So uh, that, that we're going we're gonna to be up for five Secretaries of State under uh, Governor Abbott. And so, yeah, just kind of curious about what the heck's going on there. So uh, dug up a little uh, into the last four Secretaries of State, all under Greg Abbott, and we'll take a look at their tenure and uh, kind of uh, a little bit of who they are. And a, a lot of rabbit holes, I got to say, going through uh, that uh, list of names, but uh, we won't be meeting them out too much. There's a couple of them in there that really kind of sparked my interest about certain things, and uh, maybe we'll allude to some of those things tonight, but uh, we won't get into it for sure, because I think a proper investigation of uh, some of those concerns should be had before we actually jump into what it is that uh, is kind of like bugging me about uh, some of uh, these uh, individuals. Um, let's see here real quick, because uh, I did not do that uh, prior to the show. Hold on, just in something real quick. Okay, just so we can have that accurate information. Let's see here. Okay, so Texas Secretary of State is an appointed position in the United States government, uh, United States state of Texas. Secretary of State is appointed by the governor with confirmation by the Texas State Senate. The Secretary serves as the chief election officer, assisting election officials at the county level and ensuring that election laws are uniformly throughout Texas. Um, let's see here. And appointments. Okay, so under Article 4, Section 21 of the Texas Constitution, the Texas Secretary of State is an appointed statewide position. Okay, so it's appointed here in Texas, chosen by the governor with the advice and consent of the Texas State Senate. The officer selected for the position serves for the same length of time as the, that of the governor. Okay, so there you go, guys. That's kind of the uh, question I had, is uh, how long is a Secretary of State's term? Same term uh, same term length of lifespan as a uh, governor's term. So there are also no term limits for 
the Office of Secretary of State. So if, um, you know, Abbott's supposed to have uh, Secretary of State along by his side, you know, for what, four years or so, right? Well, then why have we gone through four? <laughs> I think that's a... Uh, uh, I think that's a fair question to ask, don't you guys? Uh, I think that's a very fair question to ask. So just asking the question, you know how we do here over at Mr. C Channel and Mr. C TV. We ask the question, governor's term is four years, so what the heck is up with that? One must wonder. Hey, T Anomaly, how's it going tonight? Thank you for joining us over at the foxhole.app. Never give up, never surrender, stay free. Indeed, and thank you so much for the can. Much appreciated. So, uh, okay, so let's uh, let's jump into some Texas news before we get into that uh, little Secretary of State dig that we are doing over here today. And uh, we are going to start with uh, who's this? Ooh, you can't see that yet. <laughs> How'd you get over there, Mr. Pablos? Okay, we're going to start actually with uh, uh, Colonel Allen West, ladies and gentlemen. As you all know, he is a Texas gubernatorial candidate. Now, uh, he was actually recently hospitalized for, you guessed it, CV Diesi Nueve, otherwise known as the 19th uh, discovery of the uh, CV. Uh, um, genuinely manufactured, uh, you know, ailment that has totally taken over. Um, uh, the world's um, fear receptors. Now, for the for my regular listeners who are like, why is he speaking in code? Why is Mister C speaking in code? It's because we're on YouTube tonight, and uh, I'm I'm gonna speak in code so this episode can stay on. <laughs> okay, so that's what's up with that. You guys know what's up. Y'all know why. You guys know the drill. Anyways, in re in regards to Alan West's hospitalization. Um, uh, he apparently he's doing good. Okay. It's not, nothing that seems to be life threatening. Uh, again, he has been, um, twice, uh, twice preserved, you know, by certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, inventions of modern medicine that were meant to protect citizens from, uh, you know, catching said ailments, but they have failed. In fact, I believe this is the second time um, Alan West has come down with this, you know, high, um, genuinely manufactured disease and protected against it. So here we go. Uh, but West told the Associated Press that he has no complaints and he is relaxing. Uh, he and his wife were both diagnosed with um, Charlie. <laughs> I'm going to try and do it now. What is the uh, army call it or for V? Charlie Victory? <laughs> Jesse Nueva? <laughs> he is, he is, uh, they've both been diagnosed, he and his wife, after attending a fundraiser event in Seabrook, Texas last week. Oh, so this is a, this is a new, new, uh, I guess, uh, a version of the uh, Charlie Victory syndrome that seems to be taking over him, the world. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, so that happened. They, they picked it up in Seabrook, Texas, apparently. They're thankful for our prayer, their pra our prayers, right? And uh, Angela, his wife, just completed the monoclonal antibody infusion therapy. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully I don't get booted for that phrase right there, that, that phrase word du jour. Uh, 
there's a concern about uh, my oxygen saturation levels, said West, which are at 89% and they should be at 95%. Um, and that was on a Twitter post that he had that uh, handed out there. So it seems that uh, on West's Facebook account, um, it stated that he was also taking um, HC17 and also Ivers Mectin <laughs> to deal with the symptoms. Okay, I'm trying to be careful because we're on YouTube tonight. Forgive me <laughs> that my tongue's not rolling like it normally does. Oh, good evening, uh, Pill by the Rabbit. How are you doing tonight? Good to see you, buddy, in the audience there. All right. So, yeah, so there you have it. So, uh, um, he's, he's not in any mortal danger. He's twice protected and once contracted. So, uh, I guess he's just another shining example of what they call the breakthrough case that, uh, some people just don't seem to understand how that's happening, but, um, we understand guys, we understand heartbeat bill. Let's talk about the heartbeat bill. Some of you all may know that the heartbeat act, which is of course, Senate bill eight, uh, the newest law of the land. Well, not the newest, but one of a batch of new laws of the land, but this one most significant and also causing a lot of national controversy, uh, almost international. If you think about how Mexico just legalized every form of abortion, there is basically, um, well, uh, it was blocked. Uh, it was blocked. We had a an a, a Obama appointed judge, U United States District Judge Robert Pittman, um, on Wednesday of this past week, had granted um, illegitimate Joe Biden's regime's position, and uh, they sent a petition to temporarily suspend the heartbeat bill. That happened on Wednesday, and then just this past Friday. Um, a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals judge granted a request by the state to set aside the lower judge's decision while the case was reviewed. So I guess this would be a temporary injunction against the injunction against the heartbeat bill. So uh, so between Wednesday and Friday, you know, they say the, um, um, the blood of uh, unborn humans flowed again through the state of Texas. You better believe it. You know, those... Uh, Abortion clinics were uh, quick at work those days. They probably went into 24-hour service, right? And now as of Friday, uh, the heartbeat bill is, again, the law of the land, at least temporarily, while the case is reviewed. Uh, I say temporarily, but uh, uh, Texas quickly moved to file this appeal. Texas Attorney General Paxton said in a statement on Thursday that they disagreed with the court's decision and that the sanctity of human life is and will always be a top priority. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is uh, New Orleans-based, and of course they uh, granted this request on Friday, setting aside Pittman's order for now. It ordered the Justice Department to respond by Tuesday, and of course that was cause for celebration, I would say not just by uh, certain members of the uh, Texas legislature, but also by Texans throughout the state. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, a bit of quick news for you guys. <laughs> this one's funny. <laughs> this one's funny. I think uh, you might enjoy this, guys. Uh, Pilled by the Rabbit, I wouldn't name any of those medicines if you're on YouTube. You're right. <laughs> I hope the, uh, the Iver one <laughs> had a very, um, what do you call it? A very pronounced S between 
the two four syllables anyways okay so we'll see hi monkey toes good evening just popping in to say hello good evening good evening siga el conejo blanco follow the white rabbit i like it t anomaly uh, hablas espanol yo poquito <laughs> well i am not little but you know what i mean okay so cool glad to have you in the in the house texas resident or otherwise Okay, so let's. Uh, why do we got speaker Dade Filon on the screen right now? You guys might be wondering, Dade Filon. I just another member of the Texas Good Old Boys, right? Another member of the uh, the uh, state Rhino Legislature. Not a fan of Filon. Not a fan of most of the Texas uh, Republicans and Democrats. I mean, not a fan of most of the Texas Legislature. I guess you could say. Uh, but uh, let's see here, Dade Phelan. Okay, uh, he uh, he's the guy. He's the guy who, um, as Speaker of the House, really can set a motion for getting a bill onto the floor for consideration. So you know, if there's any ever really important bills, you know, things that you think would have the interest, uh, particularly of any partisan party, you know, um, in any legislature. Of course, the dominant here being Democrat and Republican. Well, you know, if it doesn't really make it to the floor, it might have something to do with this man, okay? Now, most recently, controversy was coming up with Speaker Phelan because, um, well, you see, there was, a, there was a time when we passed, uh, you know, election integrity laws here in Texas. Uh, quite recently, I think, uh, you know, this thing was uh, accomplished after, you know, the Democrats took off um, and left... Um, special session abandoned uh, for what? what was it like something like just over a month, 36, 37 days. So anyways, finally, finally, they get around to passing this uh, uh, SB1 Texas election law. And uh, it seems that inside the body of that law, there was an amendment that uh, basically decriminalized illegal voting. Okay. And uh, that's a big deal. I mean, if you want to make um, elections more secure, and you want to make it harder for people to cheat, why would you make it easier for them to um, get away with uh, doing such activities and and particularly getting caught? I mean, it goes without saying that uh, punishment should be, you know, respected on, on either side of that coin. But if you're going to have people cheating on elections, why are they going to get away with like a, a petty misdemeanor, you know, crime? makes no sense. So yeah, uh, that was very, very counterintuitive to the measure that the Texas legislature was attempting to take. They, uh, they, they won that attempt, right? And now they've had to go and fix that issue because obviously the people of Texas were irate when they found out about it. But Dade Phelan uh, opposed, opposed getting that, um, that article of crime reinstated. So people would have to ask, well, what the heck, Dade Phelan? Like, you're a Republican, you're a conservative. Uh, why does it seem like you're kind of sitting on the other side of the coin? Why are you uh, playing both sides of the field? So either way, uh, that put kind of a spotlight on Dade Phelan that I think is probably rather deserved as the, uh, the subtleness of the way these guys in Texas work, uh, the craftiness that they use, they get away with a lot and a lot of stuff that's unseen and a lot of stuff that, you know, 
really needs to be looked at. Now, so Dave Phelan has a spotlight on him, right? He's Speaker of the House. He moves bills onto the floor for vote. That's what he does. That's his job, right? Uh, well, the entire issue of the Texas audit has, of course, gone live, right, nationwide, particularly after President Trump called out uh, Governor Abbott and uh, told him that he needs to have a forensic audit. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, in, two, in true Texas legislative fashion, uh, the, the audit is no no more than a ruse, in my opinion. It is a uh, it's a, it's a blanket job. It's a sub, it's a subterfuge. So this way, uh, the people of Texas believe, and uh, you know, people like uh, President Trump are satisfied with what seems to be efforts to comply and listen to the people of Texas who want a full forensic audit, preferably by a third party that is um, um, <clears throat> trusted. We don't need government certification from uh, agencies within the government that are not even certified to perform audits. We don't need that. EAC's busted wide open in that regard. So, uh, you know, drop it. We see what you guys are doing. Um, while this humble uh, commentator won't say who it is that we want to audit this, uh, you know, election, I'm pretty sure all of you uh, have a pretty good idea of... Um, the trusted name in a gold star forensic election audits, right? <laughs> that's who I want. You know, that's who I want. But uh, don't let me get ahead of the game now. We have a uh, speaker Phelan who uh, is being, um, <laughs> he's being uh, called out now by President Trump. Okay, so President Trump actually just released a statement and put speaker Phelan on the national stage for everyone to turn, look, and glare at. What did President Trump have to say? Let's see what he had to say about Speaker Phelan. I was quite amused with this statement. Uh, it says here, uh, Texas Speaker of the House Dade Phelan is another Mitch McConnell. Oh boy, Speaker Phelan. <laughs> you do not want to be compared to cocaine Mitch now, do ya? <laughs> So that is a uh, man. I mean, it's like not only is he being called to the national floor, not only is he being dragged to the national floor, I should say, he is being compared to one of the worst rhinos in modern Republican history. Quite tickled, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so it goes on to say. He is not fighting for the people of Texas. Speaker Phelan should immediately move the forensic audit bill SB 47 by Senator Betancourt that passed out of the state Senate this week to the floor. The speaker knows the bill will overwhelmingly pass the House with Republican support. While standing in the way of a real election audit, Speaker Phelan just weakened the penalty for voting illegally in the state of Texas from a felony to a misdemeanor, siding with the Democrats and calling their amendment that makes a mockery of our election laws thoughtful. After the 2020 presidential election scam, we need to gather, we need to tougher, we need tougher penalties for cheating in our elections, not weaker ones. Texans are tired of Phelan's weak rhino leadership in the state house. Texas is a very red state, even more than people know. If this doesn't pass soon, we look forward to seeing him in the Texas primary. It will get done 
one way or the other. Bam, ladies and gentlemen, speaker feeling. I do not want to be you right now. You, he's probably feeling as uncomfortable as Abbott felt a couple of weeks ago when uh, Trump called him out on the national stage. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, President Trump. So now what that tells me, ladies and gentlemen, and I find this quite interesting, um, whenever they made the announcement for the Texas forensic audit, which came literally hours after President Trump called out Governor Abbott, uh, it was, uh, in my opinion, the press release was made to make it seem like the audit had been approved. And indeed, you know, through the Senate, it moved forward rather quick. But uh, within hours, ladies and gentlemen, of that um, of that happening, uh, I just, uh, I, the, the timetable doesn't compute with me. So this still needs to get through the House and it still needs to be put into the special session if they're actually going to conduct the audit, okay? Now, the language of the press release said that uh, they had already completed um, half or more of uh, the first part of this forensic audit. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a full forensic audit. And I think that if we are going to have a forensic audit of the state of Texas and it's being isolated to four counties, I don't see any reason why they cannot complete a full-scale election audit, forensically speaking, if it's just four counties. Now, the language of uh, Texas law pretty much states in regards to certain uh, provisions of security for um, the um, elections here in Texas is that within 72 hours of the election's completion, they must complete a full cyber uh, audit of uh, everything, their machines, and that would include the machines down to uh, ballot images. Now, under this provision, uh, they, only, um, they will only inspect a portion of electronic ballots, okay? A portion of electronic ballots. Uh, I don't have a word on the percentage. Uh, do you think it's half of the electronic ballots? I highly doubt it. Is it 30%, a quarter? I don't know, but uh, it might be the standard, it might be the standard minimum of 2% for all we know. So uh, very, very unsatisfactory. If you have um, if you have a state as big as Texas with as many votes and electoral seats that come in and are at risk, and again Texas won, you know uh, the uh, election for President Trump, so we really shouldn't complain, or should we? Is the question I ask here again at Lone Star News, and I think the answer is we should complain. We do need to get to the bottom of election integrity and security, and I think that if Texas were to complete an accurate, accurate and thorough forensic investigation, uh, we would basically secure the rights for every other conservative or Republican or red state in the country to do just the same thing. And in this regard, Texas has a very good opportunity to lead in this arena. Um, there are a lot of concerns. If we're looking at a portion of electronic ballots, we're not looking at every ballot. We're not looking at uh, anything. It's very limited scope, ladies and gentlemen, a very limited scope. I'm sure those of you who followed along um, on what was going on in Arizona and any other election audits that have since occurred um, would agree that there's a lot more that goes into it and a lot more can be found just by ex 
expanding the scope of your supposed audit. And uh, that was just one of the points. Like I said, they're not uh, going to be looking at the physical ballots as well. And uh, part of this audit does also include what seems to be more like an administrative type of audit. And it's only if there's discrepancy within the administration that they would even possibly consider looking at the physical ballots. Again, that's not satisfactory. Um, and uh, a couple of other things related to that we'll be able to jump into when we get into the Secretary of State expose type of thing we're doing. It's not an expose. It is just an examination of who has served as previous secretaries of state within the governorship of Greg Abbott. Um, but yeah, uh, some things uh, kind of pop up in there that uh, may uh, just further, further strengthen my resolve about the need to have a genuine, thorough, full forensic audit in Texas. And we're not having it right now, not with what they're fighting for. But thank you, President Trump, for putting Speaker Phelan on the uh, on the radar there of uh, everyone in America, get a load of that five head. Hey, I can say it. <laughs> but uh, there you go, J ladies and gentlemen. Speaker Phelan being called to task by President Trump. Probably one of my favorite stories for tonight. Um, keep in mind, guys, there are um, uh, less than 10 days, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before the um, Texas special session number three comes to a close. Will they call another one? I doubt it. I doubt they will. Uh, they were primarily concerned with um, they were primarily concerned with uh, the uh, redistricting boundary map that they were coming up with. So uh, ten days left, um, and uh, yesterday marked the twentieth day of the special session. Ten days total in a special session. So October nineteenth or so is going to be when this ends. You know, and, and, you know, another, there's, oh man, there are so many things they're not considering in this special session with 10 days. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much uh, they're going to accomplish. I know they're, they're not even talking about uh, vaccine mandates and uh, employees of the federal government or otherwise here in Texas. I guess they're going to wait till the uh, next regular session starts for that one. Of course, um, I'm sure the damage will be done. And uh, what else do we got here? Also, they're not considering uh, the, the child abuse factor with uh, um, um, gender altering or diminishing chemicals and uh, other procedures. That's also not on the bill. So we'll see what happens in that regard. But um, that should be interesting, ladies and gentlemen, as they say. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Monkey Toast says he was probably bribed or just straight blackmailed. Could be, could be, uh, could be, ma'am. But uh, yeah, justice still needs to be served and the people of Texas need to be done right. Very much so. Okay, let's talk about the secretaries of state now. Um, now, okay, so like I said, this, uh, this has come as a concern to me that I just thought I'd ask the question. Uh, you know, why is it that we haven't had a full term secretary of state? And, you know, I didn't even get to go back to prior to Abbott. You know, there's no telling what that will look like because I will and I intend to. Um, because, like I said, uh, the the last secretary of state that Abbott had said about two years is the normal lifespan of a Texas secretary of state, which leads me to ask another question. Maybe this will help me with some of the math, right? Uh, the question would be, 
how many uh, how many governors have served in the state of Texas? If anyone knows that answer, then you guys get a gold star for participation. <laughs> okay, so Rick Perry was the 47th. So that would make Governor Abbott the 48th governor of the United States. I mean, of the United States, the 48th governor of the state of Texas. Do you guys want to know how many secretaries of state have served? Ladies, this really, yeah, this is kind of concerning, okay? <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be this dramatic. I was not expecting it to be this dramatic, ladies and gentlemen, I swear. Okay, so we, we've had 48 governors in the state of Texas. We've had 112 secretaries of state. So for the uh, first secretary of state of Governor Abbott to make the statement that two years is about on par for the course, that's worrisome, guys, because that means we either have a string of corrupt you know, representatives in that office and, and maybe Secretary of State should not be appointed if that is the case. Maybe it should be elected. We're not a commonwealth, okay? So why would we appoint Secretaries of State? We should be electing the Secretaries of State, period, okay? So if we had 48 governors and over 100 Secretaries of State, guys, like the machine is broken, <laughs> you know, the machine is broken. Um, and uh, indeed, you know, the Texas, the secretary of state, like in, I said, most, if not every state is the top election official of the state, top election official. Um, they also serve um, as official repository of public and corporate records, chief international protocol officer, and in, in, in the state of Texas, uh, the liaison between the governor's office for Mexican and border affairs. Okay, they are also responsible for getting new jobs, attracting new jobs to our state and economy and encouraging foreign trade. Um, and the secretary of state is also a player in state economic development locally and abroad. So those are about, you know, a summation of the uh, functions the secretary of state should have uh, my goodness, guys, 48 governors over a hundred secretaries of state. I would definitely say the system is broken. Okay. Uh, okay. So this man here, his name is Carlos Cascos. Carlos Cascos was a former Cameron County judge. Now keep in mind, Cameron County is the same county that Arnold Schwarzenegger donated uh, $25,000 to, to help develop, uh, you know, um, safety measures and uh, I'm, I'm sure drop boxes and voting centers for the 2020 presidential election. Schwarzenegger, yeah, did that. Mm -hmm. Cameron County, that's where this guy comes from. Now, uh, Secretary of State Carlos Casco, uh, he was appointed by Governor Abbott. Um, let's see here. In 2014, no, 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 2016, apologize. Um, he uh, submitted a brief resignation letter that gave no reason for his departure. He served for two years as Secretary of State, and uh, he was appointed by Abbott after he won the governor's office in 2014. Okay, 2014, it is, 2014. 
Uh, yeah, actually, that does make sense according to the timeline here. So Costco's, um, I, I really need to do some digging on this man. Okay, um, he's, he's one of two people that I think I really need to dig into. I only say that because um, in reviewing uh, some of the findings on Costco's, uh, he, this man was really involved. I mean, he was really involved. Like when we're talking about um, uh, Texas, uh, Texas state laws and um, agencies and commissions, this man was involved. Like there was a lot more information than um, I could uh, really, you know, parse through. And in the time before I was putting this uh, report together, um, a, a lot of things that he has commendations for, um, and then there's a few other things that are in there, like in the instance of most, if not all of the secretaries of state that we're talking about tonight, they all have uh, litigations open against them. I'm pretty sure that's not uncommon. You know what I mean? Like uh, you're going to have your local agencies, you're going to have your local organizations, particularly if it's along partisan lines that are going to have a problem with the way that the secretary of state is doing something. So uh, to say that uh, they all have litigation, it does not necessarily mean, and I mean against them, it does not necessarily mean that uh, it's not like some kind of like, you know, um, um, just some kind of like, you know, uh, not fake, but, you know, um, ill-informed type of lawsuit against them, you know, especially along partisan lines, especially when you consider that their role is in uh, business, foreign affairs and elections. Uh, there's a lot of civil types of matters that can be covered under those blankets, jobs, you know, uh, that people will litigate against if they don't agree with it. Uh, but, you know, that's when you have to like kind of read the lawsuit and see what's up. So he had a lot of stuff like that. And uh, I honestly looked at him last because um, the first first name that really dropped uh, where I guess where I started doing my little dig was with um, the um, the next, you know, the, the third secretary of state. So under under Abbott, uh, and that was David Whitby. And he had a lot of uh, he had a lot of trouble. David Whitby had. Or Whitley. So um, by the time I got to, uh, I dug back far enough to Carlos, I was like, dang, this guy's got a lot of information. Uh, so you can bet um, I will be uh, looking into some of that. And uh, I don't know, maybe I will begin my entire foray with, uh, you know, kind of dissecting Texas law and legislative representatives with the House of the Secretary of State. Why not start there? You know, it seems to be um, the one that a lot of people either aren't uh, engaged in or uninformed about. Uh, and I would say uh, Texas is absolutely no exception to that statement, uh, particularly when we've had more than half of, uh, of the governorship um, representation <laughs> overshadowed <laughs> by the Secretary of State's office. I mean, come on. There should be uh, one Secretary of State for one governor term, you know, or a governor, you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. One appointee per governor. We should have closer to 48 secretaries of state in our state, not double the number of governors. That is a huge red flag, if you ask me. Huge red flag. So, uh, but finishing up with the uh, Costco's, like I said, um, he was a Cameron County judge in 2006 and he was reelected in 2010. 2014, he goes over to the Secretary of State Ship position. Uh, and um, he was intent on uh, making the Texas-Mexico relations a priority. 
this is what he said in his resignation letter. Uh, the only um, the only reason we have for his departure at all, according to this letter, is uh, he says, I believe the governor wanted to go in another direction. The lifespan of a secretary of a secretary the last decade or so has been about a year and a half. So I'm about where I need to be. Okay, about where you need to be. Uh, he said the only thing that he can say is that he's going to remain involved in civic engagement and uh, that he's going to remain involved in public service at some level. Indeed, uh, he actually had a bid against Senator Cruz for the U.S. Senate seat uh, back uh, when he ran. So uh, Cruz defeated him, obviously. Uh, and there we are. So that's uh, that's what I have on Carlos Coscos. I'm probably going to be looking a little bit more into this man just to see, you know, what he's been up to and what he's been doing. And sometimes that's an important question, particularly when we consider this next secretary of state appointed by Governor Abbott. This man, his name is uh, Secretary of State Rolando Pobles. Rolando Pobles. And correct me if I'm wrong, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, this man looks a little creepy, don't you think? I think he looks a little bit creepy, in my opinion. Um, Rolando Pobles. Uh, all I can say is I've got some digging to do with this one. I'm not going to say who, what, where, when, or why just yet. But uh, anyone out there watching who uh, can pick up on certain things might might get a hint of what I'm going to be looking at with this man. Um, let's see. So uh, 2016 is when um, Secretary of State Rolando Pobles is um, appointed by Governor Abbott. Um, let's see here. Uh, pa Pablo, uh, Pablos, excuse me. Let's uh, let's see what he was about. Pablos, Pablos. I said Pobles. Sorry, it's Pablos. Rolando Pablos, not Pobles. My apologies. Um, Rolando Pablos was a or is was a well-known businessman in San Antonio circles. Uh, he was very well known within San Antonio business and political circles as well. Um, he succeeded uh, Carlos Castros. Now, uh, Pablos is currently an Austin resident. Uh, he is co-founder and chief executive officer of URL Americas. Um, that's current. Um, Pablos served at uh, the state level as um, uh, first as the Racing Commission and Public Utility Commission under Governor Rick Perry. So Perry appointed this man whenever uh, Perry was a governor. So he was the, um, let's see here. He worked on the Racing Commission and the Public Utility Commission. Okay, two commission positions. Uh, he also served as honorary consul to Spain, where he worked to ensure the information and development of business and diplomatic relationships between Texas and Spain. He has been a member of the Texas State Bar since the year 2000. All right. So this guy is kind of around, you know what I mean? Like he served as two commission on two commission boards. He served as a consul to Spain. He serves on the Texas bar. Uh, he's a co-founder of the Cross National Advisory Partners, 
which was an organization that had to deal with uh, commerce and borders between Texas and Mexico. Um, and I believe this was in El Paso. So this guy's also involved with El Paso. Um, and I say that like, ooh, well, guys, if you know anything about Texas politics uh, and El Paso. <laughs> oh, my goodness. El Paso, El Paso. Uh, you know, if uh, gosh, I don't know where I would put if Austin, Texas is the liberal armpit of the state of Texas, then El Paso is the crotch or like, you know, the taint area. <laughs> of liberal politics in the state of Texas. Um, this one was an interesting one. Uh, Mr. Orlando Pablos currently serves on the board of Morgan's Wonderland. Morgan's Wonderland. Never heard about Morgan's Wonderland before. It is sometimes referred to as Wonderland, Texas. And uh, I'll let anyone who can pick up on that do what you got to do with that information. Uh, but I'll be looking. And uh, Pablos also went to El Paso several years ago and served as chief executive. Now, I think this was actually before he um, uh, got the role of secretary of state. I think uh, timeline was uh, San Antonio. He, he lived in San Antonio for 25 years, worked with the uh, Chamber of Commerce, I think, as the president and some other activities in San Antonio, uh, went over to El Paso and worked as the chief executive officer of the Borderplex Alliance. There's another uh, Easter egg right there, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, yeah, uh, man, got, I got it, got a dig, guys. I, I got to sharpen my shovel. Uh, and then after that, he moved to Austin. He opened Uriel Americas. I don't know what that is. Didn't have a moment to uh, dig into that company and what its function is. But this man, this creepy, creepy looking man, um, he's uh, he's been involved with a lot of interesting uh, parties here, um, at least uh, in my purview. So um, I'm very curious about Pablos. Very curious about Pablos. And... Uh, Whew, almost gives me the chills thinking about some of the things. But, uh, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is Pablos. He was uh, Governor Abbott's second appointed Secretary of Snakes. I saw that pilled. <laughs> I saw that pilled. And um, so that makes me, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Like I said, 112 Secretaries of State, 48 governors, something. The math is just not adding up here. Uh, this is Pablos's resignation letter. We're not going to read all of it. It's all very cordial. Like I said, this man is a very well-known businessman, and, and he's very well-known between uh, political circles and business circles. This man's got a lot of ties in the state of Texas, clearly. So this is going to. This is all a very cordial and uh, very professional resignation letter. Nothing that I thought was like too, you know, uh, noty. Uh, with the midterm election successfully behind us and the 86th legislative session around the corner, I believe this would be a good time to begin the process of transitioning out of my position and passing the baton to the next Secretary of State. Serving Texans as Secretary of State has been an opportunity of a lifetime, but I feel the need at this time to turn my attention to my private practice. So, uh, like I said, very cordial, very professional. Um very garden variety, right? Nothing, nothing to see here. You know, nothing that picked 
my interest anyways. Uh, but yeah, Pablos, guys. Rolando Pablos, creepy man. Morgan's Wonderland. Wonder what's up with that. Wonder what's up with that. Uh, the third appointed Secretary of State by Governor Abbott. This one is um, David Whitley. Okay, now this guy got into some trouble. Okay, now this 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 one. I mean, when we're talking about all of the different uh, assignments, jobs, duties that the Secretaries of State have taken, uh, of course, election integrity and the elections in general being under their belt of responsibility. Uh, this one is one that really got into some uh, hot water in regards to election integrity. Okay. And, uh, just the story about it makes me wonder like what side was really true or what may have been going on. Right. So first of all, who's this man? Um, Greg Abbott appointed, uh, David Whitley as the 112th. Oh, that means we've had 113. We're going on to 114. Oh, okay. So that was one off. Uh, he was appointed by Abbott as the 112th Secretary of State. Um, he was a member of Abbott's administration for over a decade as Attorney General and throughout the entire first term of Abbott's governorship. He served as a top advisor for international relations within the office of the governor. Um, and he most recently served as Deputy Chief of Staff for Governor Abbott prior to taking the Secretary of State role. Um, he began working for then Attorney General Abbott in 2004, okay? And uh, let's see here. He is also a member of the Texas State Bar Association, um, and he volunteers at UT Law Mentorship Programs. He's originally from Alice, Texas, a wee little town, you know, probably about 40 minutes southwest of uh, San Antonio that seems to be overcome by grackles during the fall. And I would know because I've been there. Um, Whitley was also endorsed by um, Attorney General Ken Paxton. So what is all the hoopla about with um, this man, Whitley? Well, he was opposed by, of course, the Democrat, Senate Democrats uh, at the time of his appointment. And I believe the uh, Democrats had the majority of the Senate in Texas House at that time. So... Um, uh, Mr. Whitley here decides that he's going to do a little bit of investigation. He decides that he's going to help clean up the Texas voter rolls from uh, Ill, um, illegal voters. In other words, non-citizens who are able to vote. Apparently, this is a concern in the state of Texas, right? And uh, I would think it very well should be, um, considering that we are, you know, we have the most amount of border land in the country, right? Our border is far bigger with that of Mexico than, you know, Arizona, California, um, New Mexico. So it, it's reasonable to understand, right? We've heard about it. We've heard about non-citizens or illegal citizens who still get their DMV card, their driver's license, their, uh, their, their license um, or their ID, I should say. And uh, they're able to vote. So uh, this man was going to look to clean it up. Now, between he and the Texas Department of Public Service, the DPS, which uh, handles voter records and, of course, you know, driver's licenses and stuff like that. Uh, between the two of them, um, Whitley's office uh, asks DPS to um, send him information, data about uh, citizens in Texas 
who um, are not eligible to vote. Okay, so DPS does this. DPS sends him over the information and uh, with the information given to him by the Texas DPS, uh, Whitley and also uh, Ken Paxton make a statement that says that there are 98,000 unregistered voters in the state of Texas, okay, that are voting, <laughs> that are illegal. Um, so immediately, uh, I guess what happens at this point is the information is turned over to DPS. DPS sends out letters across the state of Texas telling uh, individuals who are, um, uh, who are included on this list that they have 30 days to send proof of um, citizenship. Otherwise, their registration will be removed from the Texas um, voting system. Well, as it turns out, uh, DPS says it was some kind of miscommunication. And Whitley says that they were very clear about their expectations. But the list that was sent him included, um, it included a um, nationalized residents who had uh, since become nationalized. Uh, it included, uh, it included um, in, uh, also citizens who were currently citizens on the list. So um, that uh, obviously caused a lot of problems. And then you have uh, citizens suing their counties uh, for discrimination and for other, um, other civil rights violations, um, including election and voter suppression. Um, so the counties had to bring that to the attention of Abbott. That, of course, lawsuits ensued. Um, the state of Texas had to settle this lawsuit because of this um, incident uh, to the tune of $450 million of taxpayer money because of those who were wrongfully accused of not being a citizen and ineligible to vote. Um, the governor's uh, house also came under a lot of attacks from uh, coalitions for uh, Texas voting rights, including groups like Common Cause Texas, the League of Women Voters of Texas, Progress Texas, the Texas AFL-CIO, which I find interesting also because anytime unions like that are involved, we already know what the unions did in the 2020 presidential election. We already know that they teamed up with big business and big politics in order to ensure that uh, the fraud was carried out during the 2020 presidential election. Don't believe me. You don't have to. You go look at the New York Times. They published an entire article back in February where the uh, members of these unions, as well as big business and Democrats, admitted on paper the feat that they had accomplished by ensuring that President Trump did not once again resume his role as president in the White House. Not my story, but it's a story I share. Now, um, they also were attacked by uh, Texas Civil Rights Pro Project Freedom Network and Workers Defense Action Fund. Understandable, right? Understandable. Uh, what this looked like uh, to... Um, Everyone involved, especially the Democrats and the, uh, you know, the progressive uh, groups and stuff out there was that uh, he was uh, uh, trying to crack down on um, on illegal immigrants. And uh, it was basically a racist type of thing for him to do. Uh, Governor Abbott did defend uh, Whitley in this regard. I don't know if he defended him because um, uh, he wanted to save his face a little bit. After all, this man 
did work with Abbott for over 10 years in his administrations and at top level positions too. So, you know, there's kind of like, God, you know, uh, between uh, the Dems and the Rhinos, well, man, the head tends to spin sometimes, you know what I mean? So uh, we have that going on there. Uh, Abbott defends him. Um, Abbott actually blames the DPS. He says it was basically uh, their fault. So, but, but nevertheless, uh, Whitley does resign. So this one, he actually designed, he resigned in disgrace, okay, because of what had happened. Um, and, uh, but, but basically immediately after he leaves the office of secretary of state, governor Abbott hires him on as special counsel for his current administration. So Whitley is still involved with Abbott. He's still there, um, to some degree. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, another interesting thing about this though, is that, uh, with that claim of 98,000 illegal, um, voters in Texas, um, Trump also, Trump, President Trump also um, made a statement in that regard. So he did make a national statement about this finding. And then, of course, it was only to have been discovered that there was a lot of uh, misinformation in that message. But here's what I'm thinking in this regard, ladies and gentlemen. And I think this is something that people kind of need to latch onto when we're talking about the role of the Secretary of State and we're talking about a full forensic audit of the state of Texas in four you know, specific counties. Again, this is not statewide. It's for specific counties. So I don't understand why we can't just pull out all the stops and get it done. Okay. Now, if in this uh, investigation, uh, you know, David Whitley found that there was possibly 98,000 illegal voters in our state and that information was still wrong, they didn't say how wrong it was by. They didn't say if uh, half of those names were now eligible. They didn't say if a quarter of those names were now eligible. They didn't say if 90% of those names were now eligible. If there are still 10,000 illegal voters in the state of Texas, do you not think that still deserves some type of investigation? Now, they scrapped this immediately as part of the settlement um, uh, in addition to paying $450 million of taxpayer money in the state of Texas, they scrapped the entire effort to discover how many illegal voters were in the state of Texas. And, you know, being that we are such a big border state, it stands to reason that certain interests in this state would indeed want to ensure that they do have some base of illegal voters to carry out the needs that they have, you know, and that's not even to mention the ones who become naturalized, the ones who become citizens of Texas and the United States of America. Uh, those ones may uh, be totally beholden to the uh, political parties that assisted them in that effort. Uh, of course, I'd like to believe if a um, uh, if an immigrant comes over here and follows the proper chain of command towards legal citizenship, or I should say order of operations, right? Not command. Uh, then that they would indeed have a bone to pick with illegal voters since they stood in line and did what they had to do in order to acquire that status and that, uh, dare I say, privilege of being a citizen of these United States of America. And it is for that reason alone, ladies and gentlemen, whether it is 5,000 illegal voters, 10,000 illegal voters, 50,000 illegal voters, in this state, that during this full forensic audit that they're supposedly going to have 
of four counties, there absolutely needs to be a canvas as part of that full forensic audit. If, uh, if, you know, if the state of Texas is afraid of getting called out by Merrick Garland and his lackeys for illegally trying to, uh, to um, uh, threaten and bully us out of a canvas, then uh, we'll have to get an independent grassroots to lead that charge because uh, that's how they did it in Arizona. Okay. That's how they did it in Arizona. And it, it took a, uh, a former, a former congressional representative of Arizona to lead this charge and to get that canvas done. Um, but I would say Tarrant County, uh, you know, um, uh, what are the uh, Harris County, you know, the other two counties, Collin County and um, 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 the, th the fourth one escapes my mind, but uh, it might be Dallas. But uh, but if they um, if they are going to have a full forensic audit, I think it behooves them to do some type of canvas to really find out, uh, do we have illegal voters in this area? Um, and that should be taken care of. So um, I would say two things were served by the um, sacrifice, the martyrdom, right? Of uh, He's a martyr for the deep state is kind of what I'm getting at. A, they were able to knock out any investigation into illegal voters in the state of Texas, right? And B, they were able to uh, supposedly satisfy any type of audit that would come thereafter. Um, yeah, so uh, quite an interesting uh, story that one is. And that one, of course, was the third selected, appointed Secretary of State under Greg Abbott. Now I'm going to have to see how many Rick Perry had. Oh, that should be fun. Per the Perry years of Texas. <laughs> All right. Lastly, ladies and gentlemen, we have this woman here. Uh, she was the most recent Secretary of State, keeping in mind that we currently, I don't have one. Uh, between, uh, betwixt Secretaries of State, if there is not one appointed by the governor, uh, it is left up to the Deputy Secretary of State to fulfill the um, position and the assignments of the Secretary of State. So uh, between uh, David Whitley and the current one on screen, her name is Ruth Ruggiero Hughes, uh, we have um, 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 uh, Joe Esparza. So Joe Esparza is the Deputy Secretary of State here in Texas, and uh, he has served as the interim Secretary of State uh, between appointments. So Joe Esparza served that position between Hughes and Whitley, and uh, he is currently serving in that position as Hughes is not the Secretary of State anymore. Now, uh, Ruth Hughes, um, she was tapped by Abbott for the role of Secretary of State after Whitley's uh, departure. Um, she is a lawyer businesswoman who was born in Argentina, and she's actually served Abbott in several roles. Uh, for the past year, she served as chairwoman of the Texas Workforce Commission. In July of 2015, Abbott made her the employer's represent representative on the commission. And uh, that role basically regulates labor practices and promotes workforce training and administers unemployment insurance. So that's what she did. Uh, in 2016, Abbott tapped her to be the lead in a nine-member body of legislature created in his office the Advisory Council on Cultural Affairs was the name of that um, legislative uh, body. 
Um, its job was to advise the governor on the rapid growth of the state's Hispanic population and other issues resulting from charges in demographics in the state. So that's what she did. Uh, now, of course, she also came with a little bit of controversy. Uh, it seems that in December of 20, Hughes and the commission um, commissions two other members. Now, this would be uh, the Ter Texas Workforce Commission uh, within the uh, employer's representative on that commission. Um, she and two other members um, came under fire from labor unions and other groups for a rule that they put into place that made gig economy workers contractors. So we're talking about, you know, you get on your phone app and you pick up an app and you pick up a job like, you know, like the gig app and uh, any of those, any of those, you know, the, the shoppers, um, you know, for people, stuff like that. So she was making it a rule that if you were in the gig economy, in other words, you're just picking up, you know, random jobs that uh, you would become a contractor with whomever it was that uh, you were, you know, picking up employment from. Um, so by doing that, that exempted their employers from having the uh, to pay into the state's unemployment compensation fund. Um, so how that works out, I don't know. But uh, that's basically what happened whenever they made that move. Uh, the Texas Observer reported that despite a commission spokeswoman's denial that Hughes and her colleague used outside sources in drafting the rule, um, Handy, which was one of the apps in question, uh, it's a um, an app-based cleaning and maintenance company, uh, was secretly collaborating with Hughes on the rules of the language, according to released emails. Um, let's see here. Uh, it, it was stated that uh, Secretary of State Hughes has a track record of putting corporation corporate interests before people and that uh, they have no reason to believe that her actions would be any different as Secretary of State. And for the past eight and a half years, in addition to her state appointments, Hughes also ran a business, uh, or I should say this, the business side of uh, Austin-based company called Big Look Productions Incorporated. And uh, Big Look Productions makes commercials for clients such as State Farm and Home Depot, and her husband, Greg, is one of the firm's three artistic directors. So interesting. Uh, she has a connection there also with uh, Texas Business. Um, if you're talking about making commercials or ads for uh, Texas businesses such as that. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. So um, that does it for, uh, you know, basically what she's done. Now, again, like I said, I, I'm, I'm intending to kind of dig into some of these people. Um, Pablos is, is actually the one that I have the biggest problem with right now. It's just my, uh, you know, my C-Sense is tingling off the hook with this man and uh, some of the things that he's part of. Um, so I'll let you guys know if I find anything interesting. Um, I have this, I have this staunch feeling I am, but uh, that doesn't mean it'll be newsworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Although I kind of feel like it does. So at this point, ladies and gentlemen, we are without a uh, Secretary of State for the state of Texas. Deputy Secretary of State, again, is uh, lurk uh, is uh, is uh, serving that role. Um, last things to say about the position of Secretary of State, other than, you know, I hope, you know, kind of poking into this information 
uh, strengthens the resolve of others about the need to have a thorough and full forensic audit of our state to include a canvas. Um, there needs to be something, there needs to be a question asked or something done about this revolving door of secretaries of state in Texas. It seems that Texas has found a way, right? Deep state Texas has found a way to dodge the question of accountability when it comes to the things that secretaries of state perform. By having a revolving door of secretaries of state, they don't necessarily have to hold these people accountable if they truly have done something that is untoward or um, lacks the interest of Texans and Americans. It seems to me very smart that, that uh, I mean, if there was going to be a tactic like that, where we're going to uh, pull the wool over the eyes of Texans and Americans, a revolving secretary of state as such, I think is a huge smoking gun, huge smoking gun. So, um, like I said, right now, we don't have a secretary of state. Um, a lot of uh, people on the left and uh, a lot of people in the Democrat um field um, are very concerned about the Texas Secretary of State position as the importance of the Secretary of State in general has uh, become pretty uh, has become pretty um, widely broadcasted around the nation as Americans and indeed your everyday people begin to understand what some of the roles of government do their functions and why they're so important again um, a brief examination of the 2020 presidential election and everything that has occurred since that point has um, <clears throat> served to make that point, I think, uh, much bolder and much more obvious. So we need to definitely be aware of that. And uh, we have one last bit of news for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, before we call it adieu here at the Lone Star News. Thank you again for tuning in. I've been your host, Mr. C, and it's been a fun and chill Sunday evening. Now, Elon Musk, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's who's on the screen. <laughs> yes, it's true, ladies and gentlemen, and it's finally become national news, I suppose. Uh, but Elon Musk is indeed moving his Tesla headquarters to the Lone Star State. He is moving it to the Austin area after a year of fighting with local dictates in California, he's decided that uh, he likes the much uh, relaxed and uh, less regulated and, uh, and less expensive state of Texas to be home base for Tesla. Um, he announced in May 2020 that he had the intentions of moving his headquarters out of California and finally uh, has... Um, decided to formally make an announcement about uh, moving his um, um, manufacturing plant over to eastern Travis County in Austin, Texas. Um, of course, here, the regulations and as well as the um, uh, pandemic uh, requirements of California basically are what drove him to the arms of Texas. Keeping in mind, though, that this is not uh, Musk's first Texas operation, uh, he had an offshoot of SpaceX operating here in Brownsville, Texas for a few years, and another subsidiary of his uh, company 
Gambit Energy Storage is also building a 100 megawatt battery plant um, in Houston. And uh, that will be designed to buttress the state's power grid. So he's getting involved in the uh, power grid here in Texas as well, it seems. Maybe that's a factoid not many people knew about. But uh, I'll tell you what, I have seen more Teslas in the area than I have in the past few years. And I've already seen two different models that I did not know existed. All right. That about does it for uh, Lone Star News on tonight. Uh, what was this? Uh, October 10th, 2021, Sunday. Thank you all for being part of the live audience. Pill by the Rabbit, The Speak Uneasy, Monkey Toes. Good to see you all, T Anomaly. And uh, to all of you other viewers out there, whether you are on Pilled.net, um, the Foxhole.app, Twitch.tv. <laughs> hey there, DJ Ping. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> DJ Ping says, oh my, such a, such a short brief. Yes, on the Lone Star News, we only run about an hour, if you can believe it. Uh, there was more news I had that I could have shared, uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see about that. Uh, I'm sure I'll probably get that to you guys sooner than later. Uh, next week, we should be back on at Saturday. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We're, we're, in a, we're in a state of flux here at Lone Star News, and I'm actually enjoying taking advantage of that. So I hope you guys don't mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, we weren't live yesterday, so we went live today. And uh, I don't know. Things are developing here at Mr. CTV and the Mr. C channel, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know. There might be some scheduling, uh, scheduling things happening in the upcoming future. Uh, but we will definitely, we will definitely make every attempt to be here on Saturday. If not, we'll do it Sunday next week. Lone Star News. Uh, keeping in mind, next Saturday we also have a Save America rally in um, in Michigan. Uh, I think it's in Dubuque. No, that's Iowa. My bad. <laughs> no, so they are going to be having it in Michigan. They will be having. Oh, it's in Lansing. It's in Lansing. I believe it's in Lansing that they will have a Save America rally. So we will be live for that. We'll also have a. Mr. C in the dark um, for next weekend and definitely count on Lone Star News being in the mix there somewhere in your Sunday viewing schedule. And uh, let's see here. The week after that, though, I can tell you Lone Star News will have to take a seat on the back burner because we should be in Las Vegas by next week covering the Forgotten Country Texas, uh, sorry, Patriot Double Down over in Las Vegas, Nevada. Definitely looking forward to that, and we'll be live for you guys with that. And uh, DJ Ping, sir, no, it was not a flux capacitor. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you all again. If you're over at Foxhole, I'm going to go ahead and release the scratching. So this way you guys can get to scratching. If you were hanging out on YouTube tonight, um, again, uh, with a minimal threat of uh, any type of Charlie Victor Diecinueva conversation, um, I thought we could go ahead and see if we won't get a community strike against us over there. Uh, fun stuff, though. All right. Oh, and actually, I should say, you know, especially since we're on YouTube tonight, right? Uh, if uh, if you uh, liked tonight's programming, tonight's show, tonight's broadcast, uh, we do this again at Mr. CTV, Lone Star News, on the weekends, once a week. And uh, we also do Mr. C in the Dark on Friday and Saturday nights at midnight. We just had two uh, successful episodes 
uh, the last two nights, and The Sea Report, bringing you America First news and views five days a week, Monday through Friday, 7.30 p.m. Texas time, that's Central time. We are here live Monday through Friday with uh, headlines and current events around the nation. All right. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a great night. We will have this episode uploaded to our podcast side of the operation in just a few. And until then, we'll see you next time. Um, And as always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe and be blessed. And God bless Texas and the United States of America. Have a great night, y'all.